0: See Again, welcome to Bayou City Fellowship. Um, happy Easter to you and your family. If you're a guest with us, uh, just thrilled that you're uh, here with us on Easter. Great to have you uh, in the house. If you are looking for seats, there are some seats right here, y'all. There's maybe four or five seats. Um, I see a few seats over here. So if you need a seat in the house, just make sure to work your way around. If you have a copy of the scriptures, uh, Mark, Mark, 16 is where we'll be. So if you use a device or you actually have a a copy, that's great. If you do not, you can look on the screen. We'll have uh, the passage up on the screen as well. Mark 16, the Gospel of Mark. We are ending a series that we've been in in the Gospel of Mark. And I, I can't think of a better way to end a series or really to end anything, to end a sermon or end a series, than with the resurrection of Jesus. Pretty good ending uh, to this series that we've been in, really, for the last four months. So we'll be in Mark 16, and here's the question that I think Mark 16 has me asking, and I'm I'm actually going to put that on you this morning. I hope that's okay. But here's the question I think all of us could ask based on this passage: It's this. Do I love the idea of Jesus? Jesus is a really good idea. I mean, just from the surface, if you're not a a Christian, he just kind of go. What's Jesus all about? It's a really strong idea, the potential that somehow he was part God, part human, died, and then rose from the dead. That's a, in theory. That's that's good. Do I love the, the theory of Jesus, the idea of Jesus, or have I actually moved into what is a relationship? I'm following with all that I have. I'm surrendering to Jesus. That's the question. Mark 16 has me asking. Would you ask the same question? Easter is the same thing. Do I love the idea of Easter? I mean, Easter is a pretty good idea. My kids showed up this morning. They look pretty good. All of a sudden, they're dressed up. They're looking sharp. We're going to eat a great meal together. There's candy everywhere. This is fantastic. The idea of Easter seems pretty strong, right? Do I love the idea of Easter? Kind of just, this feels feels right. We got this Easter thing happening. Or have I actually moved into, you know what? This is a resurrected king, a savior that once was declared dead, is now living. The idea of Easter, or am I actually pursuing a risen king? And so uh, I, love, I love coming to this property. You know, there's, there's a lot of acreage, and, and there's just creatures everywhere. Um, I, n- no kidding, yesterday uh, went from trying to track down a snake with a shovel so that none of you would encounter that snake today to distract it from a squirrel because I look over and I see this squirrel. And, you know, squirrels typically don't get that close around here. They just get close. They're just used to us roaming around here. And I just, out of the corner of my eye, glance over and this squirrel is eating this Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be tracking this snake and I'm like, that is awesome. I'm taking photos and sending them. No kidding, my son and I were here a few months ago and we're on uh, one of the golf carts and we're zipping around and we see what looks like an eagle. I don't know, somebody said it was a... A Mexican eagle—I don't even know if that's a thing—but I'm gonna. That sounds good to me. Looks like an eagle, and it just—we just watch it, and it's just this majestic bird. And it swoops in, and it snatches a squirrel off the ground, and then flies off with the squirrel. And we're like, "Well, we got to follow this. I mean, this is gonna be—this is gonna be good." Goes up into the tree, and then just straight up Discovery Channel, (laughs) just—just squeezes the life out of this squirrel right in front of us. And I'm like, "Son." This is an awesome manly moment right here that we just witnessed at this, at this property. And so, no kidding, I pulled into uh, the, the parking spot. In the last service, I, I said that I pu- pulled into my parking spot. I don't have a parking spot around here, okay? I pulled into a parking spot in the very back of this property just this morning, 5.30. And uh, I look up, and this sweet... Little cute little bunny just goes like zipping across, right? I mean, so you're like, this is Easter. How Easter is that right there? The idea of Easter is awesome. The idea of the Easter bunny, that's fantastic, right? We love that, except here's what happens. The the, the idea of the Easter bunny and the reality are two different things, right? You go to the mall. All of a sudden, the bunny is like six foot tall with another foot of ears, and it's some strange man. I love this kid. This, this little girl's response is just classic. Like, I mean, that's... That's not a bunny. That's a seven foot tall rabbit. All right, and this girl's not having it. This this next one, I don't know what mall this is, but stay away from this. St- yeah, don't be going to that. Don't be going to that mall. I don't trust that guy. I ain't put my. Yeah, that girl. And then this last one, the, the yeah, I don't know. There's... This, this has to be in Louisiana somewhere. I mean, there's no way that's in Texas. Get that off the screen. That's like an Easter werewolf, right? Well, I thought we were talking bunny. All of a sudden, this thing's seven seven foot tall and it's got claws. That's going to give me nightmares, actually. Here's the thing: in this passage today, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to see uh, werewolves, but we are going to see this, this idea that hey. Uh, There's a theory here and something that I think is accurate, and I'm going to move from just this theoretical idea into a relationship with Jesus, the disciples. This is what happens in Mark 16. So if you have a copy of the scriptures open there, we're going to read 14 verses, 13 of them right now, and then we'll hit verse 14 here in a minute. So Mark 16 Verse 1 When the sabbath was past Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb And looking up they saw that the stone had been rolled back It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Of course, an angel of the Lord. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, and he is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Verse 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, his disciples, as they mourned and they wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, meaning the rest of the disciples, but they did not Believed them. And so here's what you need to know. Most of these disciples would have been somewhat familiar with the Old Testament teachings. There was a prophecy about Jesus and what would happen to him. And then these disciples, just average men, tax collectors, fishermen, just pretty straight up average guys, they began to follow Jesus wherever he went. Hey, I'm leaving my job. Hey, I'm leaving my hometown. I'm following this guy. And what happened is they would hear him teach and then he would pull them away. He'd teach you know a large crowd and then he would say, you know, hey, let's just let's just the, the few of us here, let's let's circle back here and I'm gonna teach you some very specific things. And if you've been with us at all at Bayou City, we've walked through the gospel of Mark, you've heard Jesus teach over and over to these disciples number one, I'm going to be arrested. Number two, I'm going to die. Number three, in three days, I will rise again. Chris, put that up. So, these three, there's three moments just in the last few chapters that we've been in Mark 8, Mark 9, two verses in Mark 10. If you look these verses up, they just say pretty simply Jesus says, again, here's how this is going to go down. Do you have kids? Some of you do. Some of you you still are, you know, technically a, a kiddo. Well, with my kids, we have five kids, and I don't know everything about being a father. I'm getting there, and I love talking to older fathers. Give me some wisdom. Give me some encouragement. One thing I know about kids is sometimes you repeat yourself, right? That's true of me, actually. My wife needs to repeat herself with me because I don't always listen. So with my kids, I'm saying, here is the plan for the day. Here's how this is going to go down. A couple hours later... I have to pull them aside and say, here's how this, are you listening to me? I love to say that. Are you hearing the words coming out of my mouth? Here's here's the plan for the day. And Jesus has pulled these disciples in close uh, time after time, and he said, I will die, but there's hope. In three days, I'm gonna rise again. This was not news to them that this was a possibility. So when we get to Mark 16, all of a sudden, the disciples, this does not seem to even be on their radar. Did you, did you, is that kind of what it feels like? I mean, it's said that they're basically, they're together, they're mourning and they're weeping. And the idea that somehow Jesus is going to walk back into the room is, doesn't seem to even be on the table. All of the reminders in one ear, out the other. And so what's happening with the disciples? Well, I, I started to think about, well, what keeps you and I from, I mean, we've heard this, right? I mean, you, you don't have to be a regular around here to just hear that. Hey, Jesus died and rose again. I mean, that's just something that most of us hear quite often. What keeps you and I from truly believing it? So, I, I was researching just this week. What are the, the the prominent theories that keep you and I from believing that this actually happened? So, uh, number one, which uh, these are these uh, are fascinating, if not. Um, if not, some of them are just, are just dumb, but they're fascinating, okay? So number one would be these ladies showed up at the wrong tomb. And so when they arrived at the tomb, they thought this was Jesus' tomb, but this was actually some other tomb where the stone had already been moved out of the way. And when they looked inside, there was no body. They declared Jesus had been raised from the dead. That story began to grow and to grow. And then here we are 2,000 years later still telling the same story. That's, that's a theory, highly unlikely, but that's, that's theory number one. Number two is that they were hallucinating. So apparently they uh, partook of some hallucinogens and uh, together a group hallucination where they saw the same visual and they uh, concocted the same story and then that story has now grown and grown. Highly unlikely that they were hallucinating. But number three, the swoon theory, have you heard of this? That Jesus was not actually dead on the cross, that he uh, blacked out and for a period of a day, a day and a half, a little longer, he was unconscious and then um, awoke. And so he didn't actually, wouldn't raise from the dead, but he just he just woke up from a, a traumatic uh, incident. Don't think that's the case. And then lastly, the idea that his body was actually stolen most likely from the disciples. And this one made me laugh a little bit, but this is, it's, you know, this is a prominent theory that uh, the disciples somehow organized a heist of his body and were able to hide that and then spread the story, and basically stick with that story up until their death. And if you know anything about the disciples, you know this is, this is highly unlikely. These guys uh, really weren't that calculated. I don't think they were that organized. All of a sudden, them turning into Ocean's Eleven, I think, is highly. <laughs> I don't think that that's what happened. And then, of course, if you know anything about what happened to the disciples, they all died a, they died a violent death because they proclaimed Jesus as a risen Savior. But the idea that they would take that to their deathbed it's just unlikely. So are they are they wrestling with these with these theories, just hypothesis of what could have happened. Hey, it didn't it didn't actually happen here. I don't I, the scripture doesn't say for sure, but there are a few things, very specific things that in my heart and mind and I'm guessing maybe yours prevents us from believing as well. So Chris put this up on the screen for me. Number 1, we don't grasp the greatness of God. I am super busy. I sometimes pride myself on being busy, which is a sin. And I love to just narrow my world and my focus right here. And sometimes I just forget that, you know, I'm at the service of a very great and powerful God. And outside of my little bubble, God's doing things I could never fathom. Acts 17 says it like this. The God who made the world, he made everything in that world. He is the Lord of heaven and he is the Lord of earth. And sometimes I just reduce him down to being a really, really good God, but maybe not so grand and great. Anybody relate to that? Number two, we refuse to believe that Jesus is the only way. So most of us, if you've been around church at all, even just kind of, in and out. You know that uh, John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You've heard that passage and you go, yeah, I believe that, but you and I love to substitute some other things that allow us to uh, gain um, uh, prestige or or success or, you know what, just straight up peace or contentment. Hey, I know Jesus is a way, but there's got to be some other ways I can get there. Number three, what prevents us from really believing this is legitimate. Number three, we convince ourselves we don't need him. I do that often, right? By my own strength, I am going to uh, have the willpower to get this done. And Ephesians 2 just says, it's grace that you were saved. That's through faith. And this is not your doing. It's not my doing. This is a gift from God. But you and I love to, to shove that aside and just go, I don't know that I'm ready to interrupt my great little world with what Jesus has going on. And so these may be some roadblocks for you and I and could have been uh, for the disciples, but here's what happened. Verse, Verse 14 happens. And so they're doubting, they're in fear, they're hiding in some dark corner, they're weeping and they're mourning, and these ladies are trying to tell them, fellas, he's alive just like he told you. He's alive just like he told you. They refuse to believe it. And then verse 14 says this. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. Now remember, there were 12 disciples. Most of us know that. Uh, Judas, who betrayed Jesus and basically offered him up to the authorities, uh, was so guilt-stricken that he took his own life. And so 11, uh, uh, 11 were left living and breathing, and they're reclining at this table. And so he appears to the 11. And Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not Leave those who saw him after he had risen. Now this is Mark chapter sixteen. This is uh, this is the Gospel of Mark's account in Matthew's account, which we read earlier. Not only did Jesus just show up and rebuke them, because that doesn't sound that great. Jesus showed up and said greetings, and he offered his blessing, and he actually said, "I'm hungry. Do you have anything to eat?" And literally, they're, they're, they just start sharing, you know, fish and chips together. All right, and they're they're communing together. And they're having an intimate moment, and actually Jesus says, hey, you know what, if you don't believe that it's me, just, just touch, touch my hands. Mark doesn't give us all of this detail, but Matthew does. Hey, just, just touch, the, touch the place where the, nails, where the nails went in. And they have this encounter with Jesus, and I believe this is the moment where these disciples just went from, hey, I think this guy, we may be onto something with this guy, we ought to follow him, and you know what, he he's dead and so we got to regroup we got to figure out what's next they went from that to this is the king this is the messiah god himself has raised from the dead i'm going to give my all and so what happens after this encounter this true encounter with jesus is these disciples just go they go tell everybody they know and it gets them in trouble and it gets them in peril and ultimately every one of them dies violently Because what was theory, what was just a good idea, what was this idea that maybe Easter could exist, all of a sudden Easter stood in front of them and said, touch, touch the hands. A true encounter with Jesus for the disciples and for you, it will move you from theory to relationship. And I don't think there's ever been a society in the history of mankind where it's so easy just to be theoretical about the things of Jesus. We don't necessarily need him. We don't necessarily think that he's great. We think there may be some other ways here. And when you encounter Jesus, it just moves you from that theoretical world to actually knowing and following him. Knowing Jesus does not equate, and hear me clearly, there is no quick fix. This does not equate to riches, perfect health. You're gonna find that perfect spouse. Your, 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 your kids are gonna be uh, suddenly uh, a perfect behavior and getting into perfect schools, and life just, all of a sudden, life went from rough to ideal, that's just not the the gospel, and I think, you know, these disciples, we read it right here. There's no quick promise. Here is the promise, and here's what I want you to take away as you leave today. Here is the promise of Easter, that in the darkest rooms of your life where you are mourning and weeping, and the idea of Easter is only a theory, Jesus promises you and I that he will show up and you will not be left alone. That was the promise to the disciples, and Jesus showed up and said, no, it is true. I have risen, and the promise is true today. Whatever dark room you feel like you're hiding in, you just think there's no way this could be true. Jesus shows up and says, hey, life's not going to be perfect, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so in 2017, as I started just to think about, well, how do I communicate this to you? Because there's been a lot of Easter messages and I sure don't profess to have some great Easter message for you. One of, the, one of the beautiful things about being one of your pastors is that in a church like ours, which I feel like is a fairly honest and open church, and I love that, we celebrate well. We celebrate well. A lot of you in the room, we've had, uh, we've had great meals together and shared great moments together. We also are going to mourn together. So in the valleys of life, we're just gonna be real about what that looks like and we're gonna seek the Lord together. And one of the great joys about being a pastor is you get to be a part of weddings, you get to be a part of kids coming into homes, you get to dedicate kids, you get to be a part of baptisms. You also get to be a part of, of, of funerals and and uh, when marriages are, are, are being torn apart and kids are struggling and finances are, are nuts. You get to pray with folks and just say, hey, you know, I don't have every answer, but I know Jesus is not going anywhere with you. And I just pray that you sense that and know that. And so as we share that with, with with you and hopefully you with me, I wanted to take maybe three or four minutes and just tell you about a few people in our church. So some some friends of mine, and we're good friends, and I know that we're good friends because we ate it at, um, at Gringo's Tex Mex and they paid for it. That's friendship right there. That's that's good friends. When they pay, right, Dom, that's good. That's friends right there. And so we shared a meal together, and their story is this, that uh, in a very dark season in their marriage, infidelity and betrayal, and uh, what was united was torn apart. And uh, many of you, you've, just, you've seen that up close. We have. Liz and I could just tell you in our own families, we've just seen it up close. And the kids were young, and uh, it led to divorce, and it led to, to being separated and just some really dark days in this young family's life. And I would imagine if they were to have this microphone, they would just go, not a ton of hope. Uh, not hope that things are just going to somehow get better. And just through the course of a few months, there were several people in this man's life who started just to point him to Jesus and speak truth to him and just remind him of the gospel. You are not too far. You are not too broken. Slowly, he started just to yield his life to Christ where he just confessed Jesus as Savior. That process wasn't overnight, but just slowly started to move towards away from theory and into relationship and about a year ago, maybe a little less, was baptized just behind these, this wall, and slowly God started to pick up some of the pieces that were shattered and broken, and you know what you've seen this. You know how painful this is, and just starts to repair what had been broken in their family. And it wasn't quick, and it wasn't miraculous, and it wasn't the light shining, you know, down, but it was slow, and it was painful, but it was, it was hopeful, and Uh, they started to reunite as a family some, and then three weeks ago, I stood in front of them with just a few of their closest friends, and they remarried. That does not happen when Jesus is just a theory. When you just got an idea of what Christianity is, Uh, what's broken stays broken. And so to move into relationship with Jesus, just to stand in front of them it's one of the great moments of serving you. It was a young lady who uh, goes to Texas A&M. Just get your whoops out of the way. Just, yes, thank you very much. She's an Aggie and, and uh, grew up in a Muslim family and uh, really fairly just confused about faith and what was ahead of her and began to have, began to have uh, dreams about Jesus and not really knowing you know, clearly what is happening, you know Jesus is, is, is mentioned in the Quran, so she had an idea of who she thought Jesus was, but was having these dreams about Jesus goes to a friend who basically offers some help and some counsel and, 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 a, and a book and begins to point her to Jesus, and uh, eventually this young woman just says, "I want to follow Jesus." And so uh, last December, just behind these uh, this wall here, she was baptized and we celebrated her faith in Jesus, right? Jesus as an idea doesn't doesn't get you there. A real encounter with Jesus means she is now a follower, a true follower of Christ. There's a a young man who serves with us and he serves every Sunday. He's here before the sun comes up and uh, and, uh, is helping get this you know, place going with sound and lights and all this kind of stuff. He walked in over a year ago and he was broken and uh, his life was, had really just revolved around alcohol and, and, and substance abuse. And he was hoping that he would find something that would give him some peace and some rest and he had an encounter with Jesus. He immediately uh, began to attend an AA group and got some men around him There's several folks who meet with him and love on him, and he's leading out and serving you, making sure Easter happens even today. And he told me yesterday he is a year and seven days sober. Uh, Praise be to God. And, And just spirituality or just kind of some enlightenment that you could find on Easter, that does not push you to that. And so it's a struggle. Every day is going to be part of the fight with him he's got to have great people around him he's got great group Uh, but you don't just muster that up with some kind of idea of Jesus he had an encounter with Jesus lastly I'll just say this there's a young uh, mother um, who went to the house several years ago she's a part of our church now but went went home found a, a letter from her husband and it was a suicide note and that man took his own life and uh, that's a lot to drop on you on Easter, I know. But when we asked her, "How do you get, like, how how do you get through that?" So on Easter Sunday, I'm talking about Jesus resurrected, and I got some things that I think I could say to you. But when I asked this woman this week, like, "How do you, how do, how are you where you are?" Just an amazing mom following Jesus. She talked about how God has restored. A marriage, literally between a woman who is living and breathing and a dead man, that there's been forgiveness and healing, even though he's in the grave that God's just been moving and stirring. And she started the letter to us this week, uh, to uh, one of our staff and myself, and, and, and says this, only with the risen Jesus could I have ever found peace after the suicide of my husband right? Because a Jesus who goes to the cross, and we got this kind of idea thing, "Eh, Jesus, it seems pretty good. That does not lead you after something like that to find peace and find uh, reconciliation and to raise these boys and point them to Jesus. There's just no way. She had an encounter with the true Jesus. And so the good news of the gospel on this Easter Sunday is this. Nobody one or no circumstance no matter how deep or dark you think you are in right now no one or no circumstance is beyond the grace of Jesus that's the good news of the gospel there is no dark upper room of your life where you're hiding out and you are mourning where Jesus will not show up and say I'm not leaving I've been resurrected Literally in the final minutes of Jesus' life, if you, if you know the story of his crucifixion, uh, the, the gospel of Luke will tell us that as he is hanging there, he's got a criminal on this side and a criminal on this side. and One of them wants to join in the mocking of Jesus, but the other is starting to sense, hey, I think this is the Savior. I think this actually is the Messiah. And he says to Jesus, hey, will you remember me? In your kingdom, I want to. I want to follow you into your your kingdom. And Jesus says, "Absolutely." In the final minutes of his life, a murderer turns and says, "I want to have a real encounter with the Messiah." I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus, uh, after being raised from the dead, the angel says, "Go tell the disciples." And then in this passage we just read, he says, "Go tell Peter." Did you hear that? Right. So no, nobody had denied Jesus like Peter. Nobody was more distanced and had distanced himself further than Peter had. And Jesus could not wait to tell Peter the good news of his resurrection. Paul himself, as you know, wrote most of the New Testament, murdered Christians, had a real encounter with Jesus. What he thought about Jesus, this idea of Jesus turned to a real encounter. And then he ends up writing most of the new testament the good news of the gospel is you are not too far for the resurrected jesus this morning and so how do you how, how does that go down great message great point but what happens next for me romans 10 9 says it extremely clear and i want you just to meditate on this I want Christus to leave it up for a minute this is not rocket science. You don't come with, well, if I can just get these things in order, if I can get my life on this certain trajectory, if maybe, you know, if we can just get to this point, maybe we can figure this religion thing out. Romans 10-9 just says, here's what you got to do. If you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I'm going to speak it, and then I'm going to believe it within. That he's no longer dead, but raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead. I'm going to speak it, and I'm going to believe it on this resurrection Sunday. You will be saved. There's no long list after that with an asterisk that just says, "Here's what. You, well, here's what you got to do. Then you got to join this church today, and then you got to come for the next 12 weeks, and you got to memorize the New Testament. And then we're going to test you, and then we're going to see if this salvation thing's going to stick." Romans 10:9. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to believe it. He is resurrected. I need him. I will be saved. And so, in just a minute, we got friends that are going to stand right here. And every Sunday, this is normal for us. We just have people standing here that long to pray with you. And sometimes people come up and just say, "Hey, I want to, I want to speak it, and I want to believe it, and I want to know what it means to follow Jesus." And so, if that's you, come on. Sometimes people come up and they say, "My marriage stinks." And uh, it's probably both of our faults, but I want to be able to speak out loud, confess my sin to the Lord and also to my spouse. And would you just help me pray that I have the strength to do that? And sometimes people come up and they just say, look, I'm single and I don't want to be. And it's a, re- it's a wrestling with me. And Would you just pray for me? And sometimes people come up and they just go, man, my kids, it's not ideal right now we were close and we are the farthest thing from it and uh, would you just pray with me and so if you're wondering like what are we doing with this prayer time thing it's just a chance for you and I just to have some real encounters with Jesus and with people who are following him and just say hey would you, would you pray with me whatever it is on your heart whatever's stirring in your heart and your mind this morning I want to invite you for prayer let me pray and then I'm going to invite these folks to come stand we're going to sing and we're going to spend some time in prayer together Father God we bless you we bless you because Jesus uh, is no longer in the grave and so the cross, uh, uh, the cross did not claim him and we're not left to just pick up the pieces and figure out some kind of uh, uh, road of morality that's gonna get us closer to you. No, uh, the cross was defeated. The grave was defeated, left empty. Jesus is risen and resurrected and that's more than just Easter jargon. In light of that, We have the chance to find new life and new hope. And Romans 10 just tells us very quickly, very simply, if we speak it and we believe it, that he is risen, that salvation is offered to me, I'm saved. And I just pray that there would be many here today that just for the first time go, I'm going to speak it, I want to believe it. I also pray, God, that you hear our prayers. We don't just speak uh, out loud to hear ourselves, but God, would you hear us? And so, brothers and sisters praying together, pleading with you to uh, to move in their lives, to having uh, real encounters uh, with their families or loved ones or kids or spouses or or uh, 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 folks at work or at school or whatever it, whatever it is, Lord, as we bring these prayers to you, would you hear us, God? We believe that you do. It's in the resurrected name of Jesus we pray.